welcome to the Destiny Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. One of the, the things we talk a lot about is submission. You know, wives need to submit to their husbands and all that kind of stuff. And we take some of the scriptures, you know, so in, in 1 Peter chapter 3, he says, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands. Notice he doesn't say submit yourself to men. He just says, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands. So that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. And we use these kinds of scriptures to prove that, see, men are the boss, women submit. But what, what we saw was that the, the biblical picture is... is um, Equality, mutuality. And interestingly, Scripture never says, Husbands, make sure your wife is in submission. It doesn't, does it? It doesn't say anywhere, Husbands, make sure your wife is in submission. And yet I, I hear people being told that. You need to get a grip with your wife and make sure she's in submission to you. Really? You tell her that. <laughs> and you can go and visit ER. <laughs> Submission is the wife's prerogative. In fact, you know, this, this passage in Peter, it says, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, blah, blah, blah. And it says, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives. That's not what the Greek says. What the Greek says is, Husbands, in the same way, live with your wives. So, let's read it as the Greek says it. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behaviour of their wives. Husbands, in the same way, live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. Otherwise, your prayers will be hindered. In other words, you don't treat your wife like an equal. You're going to have a hard time connecting and communicating with God. Because he won't be happy at the way you treat her. And there are a number of scriptures where there are little phrases put in there that aren't there in the Greek because they fit a certain doctrine or way of thinking. You know, people talk about Bible translations, but really they're Bible interpretations. And this, this you know, so this whole idea of of the boss... It's really a, a twisting of, of what Scripture teaches. The command to the, the husband is to selfish, selflessly and sacrificially love and care for his wife like Christ has loved and cared for the church. I think women have got the easier deal. All they have to do is submit. <laughs> you know, this, this idea of male authority ruling over women is never put forward by Scripture as the way to live. And it only ever speaks of husbands and wives, never, never women and men in general. These passages we speak about submission and all the rest of it, it never refers to men and women in general, only husbands and wives in specific. So there must be something in this that refers to a marriage relationship and not the general relationship of me and Linda. So Paul isn't saying, Linda, submit to John. Because he's a bloke and you're not. 
It never says that. It just says, wives and husbands, these are some guidelines for you in your marriage. God's ideal is for a, a husband and wife to have a harmonious, loving relationship. Uh, a place where the, each partner serves and prefers the other. Where they're interdependent, they're, they're mutually submissive, they're in a loving union. Well, what does submission mean then? If it doesn't mean to come under someone in obedience, then what does it mean? Well, the word submit in Greek is hupotasso. And you can't translate it as obey, because the word obey in Greek is hupakoete. So they're two different words. And we translate it as submit. Quite honest, it fits with our idea of male domination. But it's not used that way in Greek writings. This hypotasso in Greek um, secular writings meant to support someone, to join with someone, to identify and associate with someone, or to behave responsibly towards a person and relate to them in such a way that you promote understanding. And so we need to remember Peter and Paul, when they're writing about this submission, they're writing in the context of winning people to faith, of being a, being a witness. And the, and, and the promotion of harmony and unity in church. You see, a lot of these people that were, that were in church now, they, they were in a marriage where one had become a believer and one hadn't. Especially for women, this was difficult. Because in those days, in Greek and Roman households, the women and children were possessions more than anything else. And the gods they worshipped... <coughs> They had no choice. They must worship the gods of the, their husband and their father. And this is getting a bit difficult for all of these women who are becoming believers. Their husbands weren't. And so they're saying, I don't have to follow your gods. I follow Jesus now. Get knotted. I'm not doing that. You know, and then this word, hypotasso, is introduced into the equation. And it originated, you see, when Greece used to be, Greece used to be a lot of different tribes. And they all had different dialects and different languages. And when Alexander began uniting the Greek nation, they had to come up with a common language so that the army could understand the orders being passed around. And so they came up with what we call Koine Greek, K-O-I-N-E. And that's the language that the New Testament is written in. And it started off as a military language, so all of the words had military connotations. But as, as the Greek Empire grew and became more of a, a unified nation, that common language became the language of the nation, not just of the army. And so lots of non-military meanings began to develop. And so and the Bible dictionaries, I'm, I'll give you Thayer's Bible dictionary, it makes a distinction between military and non-military meanings of hypotasso. So hypotasso was originally a Greek military term, which meant you arrange your troop divisions in a military fashion under the command of a leader or a general. But in common language and everyday use, it came to mean a voluntary attitude of cooperating and assuming responsibility and sharing a burden with someone. And so we need to make a distinction here. 
We cannot say that Paul is giving military commands to husbands and wives. That's stupid. The submission of a, a wife to a husband is not about coming under the control of someone in a military context where you must obey orders and do as you're told. You know, from, from the ordinary secular usage, you know, to support with, to, to join with, identify or associate with, to behave responsibly towards someone or relate to them in such a way as you promote understanding, that makes more sense in the context that Peter and Paul are writing in. He's saying to these women, listen, submit to your husbands, you know, support them, join with them, associate with them, behave responsibly towards them. You know, relate towards them in such a way that you promote understanding and they may be won over to the gospel without words. That makes much more sense than do what your husband tells you and then they'll get saved. That doesn't make sense to me, that kind of... It's a ridiculous idea by some people to try and make the intimacy of a marriage like a military operation. They're at opposite ends of the, the sphere, opposite ends of the scale. You know, the, the whole classic passage is Ephesians 5, isn't it? Well, let's read from verse 21 of Ephesians chapter 5. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's how Paul begins this passage. He's saying to all of the believers, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. He's saying to the believers, listen guys, why don't you come together and identify and associate with one another? Behave responsibly towards one another. Relate to each other in such a way that you, you, you promote understanding and harmony. And you do that out of reverence for Christ. And so then he continues, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. Husband is head of the wife, as Christ is head of the church, his body, of which he is the saviour. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church, and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own body. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does for the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ in the church. However, however, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife should respect her husband. And so we have this classic passage where wives should submit to the husband because the husband is the head, as Christ is the head of the church. But he's not saying that men are the boss. We can't put our, our, our modern understanding on, on this whole passage. We can't say that headship means boss and authority. Now Jesus Christ is the Lord and Master that's beyond question. But when the Bible speaks of Christ as the head, is it the same thing? Because whatever Christ is as the head of the church, that's what men are to their families and their wives. So what does his headship look like? Well, the word 
head referring to Christ in the church is used five times in the New Testament. I'm not going to go through every scripture because it, it'll take us too long. But I'll read the scriptures out and you can go back and look at them yourself later. It's Ephesians 1, verse 19 through to verse 23. It's Ephesians 4, verse 15 and 16. It's Ephesians 5, verse 23. Colossians 1, verse 18 and 19. And Colossians 2, verse 18 and 19. And these are all passages that, that speak about Christ's relationship to the church. And his role in these passages is described as being appointed as head for the church or, or of the church. And in each of these passages, what we see described is the church growing into fullness through the head. We see it in the context of Christ providing growth and development for the church. We see this, the function of the head of the church is not one who is, has authority over it, although as Lord he does issue and act out of authority, but as head, it's almost like a servant who provides the things that make growth possible, that make development possible. Christ is the head from whom the, the whole body grows and builds itself up. He provides the growth and the, and the means of development. And so, as I look at these passages of Scripture, what I see in headship is, it's not an authority role, but it's a function of developmental growth. You know, Christ is the body's saviour, which is self-sacrificing, it's life-giving. And so husbands are to be like Christ to their wives. Self-sacrificing, life-giving, not lording it over them, not bossing them, not telling them what to do and commanding them. And Christ is, is the source of life of the church through his resurrection. And because of that reconciliation obtained by his, his death and resurrection and ascension, through his self-sacrificial ministry at the cross, he gives them life. And so headship, for me, as I read it, as I understand it, it's not defined in terms of authority, but as a provider of life. It's not a, a function of rulership, but as a provider of growth. Christ as the head of the church is its source of life and development. Uh, for me, head in the biblical definition is exactly the opposite of what it means in English. It doesn't mean authority or boss or leader. It describes someone, and describes a function of providing life and growth and development. And that doesn't work in a top-down structure. It functions in a bottom-up supporting. And so for husbands to love their wives as Christ has loved the church, to be head of their wives as Christ is head of the church, means that the husband comes underneath his wife. He comes down and humbles himself to come underneath her and lift her up. To make her, enable her to become all that she can be. You know, it, it's like, husbands we can choose. We can be a lid that keeps everything contained and under our control. Or we can be an umbrella that lets the wife move as she pleases and we just keep her covered from the rain.
We're not called to rule over women. The biblical mandate is not to subdue women. It's not to dominate her. That's the result of the fall. The call is to love our wives. Other women are just pe people like ourselves. We have no authority. We have no responsibility for them. I don't mean that in a, in a, 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 a cold sense. But we have no authority over them. It's not up to us to, you know, it's not my duty to, to enable you to become all that you're supposed to be. That's your husband's duty or job, if you like, to lift you up. And, and I don't have that relationship with you. So it's not, I don't have a say in it. I have no say in that. My job is to love my wife, to come underneath her and say, Sweetheart, I want to lift you up and I want to see you become all that it's possible for you to become. And Paul says, Fiona, your job is to just get alongside John. You know, help to shoulder the burden of, of life together. Walk through it with him. Don't nag him. Just walk with him in it. And whatever we think Paul is saying, he's not saying it to men and women in general. He's saying it to husbands and wives only. Whatever Peter is saying, he's saying it to husbands and wives only. It's not a biblical rule for men and women. This is not a prescription of how men and women should interact with each other and relate to each other. We're not called to rule over them. We're ruled, called to rule together. And we enable our wives to develop and grow as they do with us, as they hypotasso with us. You know, the Bible teaches that our, our relationships should be characterised by humility, by love and respect. And those are the very hallmarks of submission. Love, humility, respect, honour. You know, it's so many scriptures speak about one another, love one another, bear with one another, carry one another's burdens. And as that's the general guideline for the church to live together and relate together, that's the same within marriage. Guys, just care for one another. Just carry one another's burdens. Just love and respect one another as equals. You know, Paul, Paul says in Philippians, in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Not saying ignore your needs. He's saying, don't look just to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. He says in Romans chapter 12, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honour one another before yourself. In 1 Corinthians 10, no one should seek his own good only, but the good of others also. In Ephesians 4, be kind and tender-hearted to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. He says in Colossians 3, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. And while those are general guidelines for church relationships, I think they're good guidelines for marriage relationships too. Where you're in, you're in a place where two people, two equals, pull their, their resources, their emotional resources, their spiritual and, and social resources 
to create a safe, secure and loving environment for them to, to live and grow and develop in. Just as Christ creates that environment for the church to grow and develop in. I really believe that those of us who advocate male authority over women are causing such a huge amount of pain in the church. And what we're doing is creating a culture that's directly opposite to that that God wants us to live in. We're called to stand together as equals. Because when we do that, we begin to reveal the fullness of the image of God. People begin to see the depth of the love of of our Father. That's what creation is waiting and groaning for in Romans 8. The sons and daughters of God who are, are people who reveal what it is to learn to live from a different perspective. I say, you guys live this way, but we found, you know, like Paul says in, 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 uh, at the end of 1 Corinthians 12, let me show you the most excellent way. He's saying, yeah, you've lived this way, but let me show you the most excellent way. And it doesn't happen but about because we've, we re- relearn our theology or adopt a, a new doctrine. It happens when his love changes our hearts. It happens when we learn to live in an ongoing relationship of being loved. That's what sons and daughters are. They're people who are learning to walk in his love and live their lives out of a place of being loved. And we won't agree theologically or doctrinally. But that won't matter because we'll love one another. (laughs) Because we're living out of a place of being loved ourselves. And sons and daughters aren't Christians who have learned a new language. It's not the new Christian fashion. It's a heart attitude created by love being poured into our hearts. And it's when we journey in that place, when we're learning to receive love, then we will begin to see things differently. The eyes of our hearts are being enlightened and we begin to think, oh my goodness, I've never seen that before. (coughs) It's like scales come off of our eyes and and we realise that what we thought was right was just a lower level of living. But he wants to live us up and show us the most excellent way, which is the way of love. Receiving love and living out of that place of being loved. And as we begin to do that, we begin to see differently. And as we begin to see differently, we begin to behave and relate differently. And then the world begins to see what it's like to walk with God. They will begin to see what the life, what life is supposed to be like for them rather than what they're currently experiencing. This was revolutionary for me. That men aren't the boss. And actually there's some things that women are better at than me. Including things that I thought were masculine. My wife knows more about cars than I do. <laughs> She's certainly a better leader than I am. That's something I couldn't have admitted 20 years ago. Even though it was true then as well. (laughs) But as I'm learning to be loved, my perspective is changing. So it's not just this fluffy, oh, daddy loves me and I'm going to float away in a cloud somewhere. But it's actually changing the way I live my life. It's changing how I understand life, how I understand people, how I understand relationships. And that's changing the way I live in relationship. And it's phenomenal. It's exciting. Uh, it just blows me away. This is continually going on, revolutionising my life. And it, I believe it's what he wants to do for all of us, to revolutionise all of our lives. 
through love. And how he loves you and how he loves me will look differently. But it will have the same transformational effect upon us. And what will the world see then? Wow. Thank you for listening to the iDestiny podcast. For further information, check out www.idestiny.org.uk.